because, and if you look, want to turn to Matthew chapter 4, and uh, you, if you know that particular chapter, you'll know what I'm going to be talking about in, when Jesus uh, called two of his disciples and what he told them when he called them. But, you know, when you go fishing, uh, you can try different methods. And the one that they used in the time that Jesus was on the earth and Peter was doing, uh, they used a net. And they would gather a large number of fish together at one time, or at least that was the intention. And today we still have those that do, do fish that way. It's on a commercial basis. But there's a lot of us that just like to get a, a rod and a reel and go out and see if we can't get, you know, fish that way. Uh, me, I'm one of these that I like to fish that way. And then what, what I catch, if it's something that uh, has a decent enough size to it, I like to, you know, bring it home and use it for lunch, if nothing else. There are a lot of people that would rather just have the pleasure of fishing and then turn them, you know, throw them back in. Uh, if they're big enough, they're going home with me. And uh, the only thing I don't like about fishing, there is one thing that I really don't really care for about fishing, and I don't know if anyone else does, and that is preparing them after you've got them because I don't really care to gut a fish and then fillet it out. I'm, I don't know why, but I love what's done afterwards. And I've, and the pastor is not going to like this, but I've even talked to him about us having a fish fry. And so far, <clears throat> I'm talking to the wind. But anyway... You know, it's not how you fish. Uh, it's not the fact that you're there. The important thing is, and what is desirable when you go fishing, is to bring fish in, to catch the fish and bring them in. You know, whatever method you use. And here in Matthew chapter 4, starting on verse 18 and through to uh, the end of verse 25, the end of the chapter, it says, And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. 
And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee and from Decapolis and from Jerusalem and from Judea and from beyond Jordan. Let's look to the Lord. Father, we come to you this evening and we ask that you would give us wisdom, direction, and guidance as we've opened your word and read from it. Lord, that we might apply it in our lives, use it to benefit your work. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And here Jesus had said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And when he called them, he also, it said, there followed him great multitudes from, of people from Galilee and from Decapolis and from Jerusalem and from Judea and from beyond Jordan. People from all over the area came to hear him and to see him and to uh, just, well, be healed if, uh, and in many of the cases. But in order to fish, I got to thinking about Peter and his and the others that were called. They were fishermen, and they, were do they did a good job of it. Apparently, because that was their livelihood. That was what kept them going. That was what took care of their family. And in so doing, I don't think they went at it haphazardly. I don't think they just said, well, uh, I think I'll be a fisherman. They prepared for it. Their families were probably fishermen before. And they taught them and showed them. And they encouraged them in it. And, you know, I got to thinking about us and where he said to his, the, those that he called, Peter and others, that follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And when we follow Jesus, I wonder if maybe he might be talking to us about the same thing. Because there are many places in scripture where it tells us we are to be a witness for him. We are to bring others to him. And we hear of many that did, that brought others to Christ. And uh, I was thinking, have we really prepared and what does it take to prepare to be a fisherman for Christ? To be someone that can bring in the, you know, those that are lost and see them come to know Christ as Savior. And I'm not talking about uh, just learning a few scriptures and going out and, you know, trying to force people into saying, okay, yeah, I'll do that. No, I'm talking about what does it take in our lives to be one of those that can bring others to Christ? You know, when I was in college, the one thing that they did emphasize very, very strongly was soul winning, which I think is good because we're supposed to be soul winners. And uh, in that particular, well, I went to Howells Anderson, and they were very, very strong on it. And in that particular instance, uh, they had a great place to do the type of soul winning that they did, and that was Chicago. Uh, we, we used to go into North Chicago, 
And the apartments there were, and North Chicago was not a, the best place in the world to be at any time. And with the crime rate that they had, but you could knock on doors there and you could find people at almost every door in almost every apartment, in almost every high rise that didn't know the Lord as Savior and were just dead to him and open to the world, living in sin. And you could bring a witness there and many a time you could see someone come to know Christ just by bringing the witness. The Holy Spirit would, if you were open to his leading, you could, you could see people come to know Christ the first time you talked to them. Now, that's not usual. But yet, in some areas, and people say, oh, it's the same everywhere. I've been, they have, you know, I, I tend to now disagree with them. You get into a few less populated areas and more of the Bible Belt, and you find where more people are, maybe the same amount are unsaved, but they don't respond the same way. And so I wondered, what was it, what was it in our lives that would help us to become better fishers of men? And the thing that I found, at least what I thought and figured would be most important is, first of all, you have to be one yourself. You have to be a child of God yourself. And like most uh, tonight, I think I'd be talking to, you know, the, the choir, as they say. Uh, I don't believe there's one here that doesn't know the Lord as Savior. Uh, at least I would not think so, but that's between you and the Lord. And so I'm not going to dwell on that. If it was a Sunday morning, I might. But I think we need to realize who it is we represent when we go out and decide to, uh, well, we want to be a fisherman. We want to see people come to know the Lord as Savior. I believe that's one of the things that we need to have is a desire for it. And when we get saved, that desire should come because we have the Holy Spirit within us guiding us. But so many times we will push it down because of our own feelings and our own, what we say are inadequacies when really the Holy Spirit will help us. And we have to realize though who we represent that should strengthen us to do more. You know, when a person has a job to do and works for someone, uh, they represent that, that company, that particular uh, group of people, whatever, and they feel an obligation to do what they, and to go ahead with it, regardless of their feelings. You know, do you ever have a, and I did when I was younger, when I was just before we got married, when I, before I even went into service, I was trying to figure out how to make a little extra money. So I started, I found one of these 
things you knock on people's doors and you, you try to sell them socks or something on that order, or shoes or, you know, did you ever get involved in one of those yourself? Or did you ever have someone come to your door that way? You know, if what you are presenting uh, doesn't appeal to you and you have, you know, no real enthusiasm about it, you're going to get <laughs> thrown out of the place if, you, if I can use that terminology because you don't exuberate. Oh, boy, what a word. No, that's not. You don't have the excitement that's needed to uh, get them to thinking, yes, boy, I'd like this. But yeah, you've probably had someone that came to your door that was so excited about the thing that they were representing that you had a hard time getting rid of them. And even some of them, you said, okay, yeah, come on in. Let's, you know, you, they, could, they were just excited. You know, I think we need to realize who we represent and get a little excited about it. We represent the King of Kings. You know, we, in Psalm 24, and I'm not going to read the whole thing by any means, but it talks about everything on the earth belongs to God. Everything here is his, and we are a part of his family. We represent the King of Kings, the one that we should get excited about when we're talking to others. You know, and even though, and it's even in our day-to-day -day life, you know, we should be excited enough to, when we speak to someone, and even if we're just, have someone come to the door, and I've been as guilty as anyone else in that, Boy, they come to the door and all you want to do is say, oh, get out of my life. I got things to do. Uh, you don't do that, but you don't really try to talk to them about anything important like the things of God. And many times, oh, I'll give them a track. Okay, that's good. But sometimes we even forget to do that. We need to represent the king and be excited about it. And... One thing, you know, another thing that we need is something the pastor's been talking about for a long time now. At least it seems like a long time to me. He's been, you know, constantly, I don't think you'd want to say harping on it, but uh, putting it forth. And that's the will of God. To be in the will of God. To be following what God has for us each day that the, we can say, the Holy Spirit is there, and he's going to uh, control what I do. He's going to control what I say. And if we're open to the will of God, when we meet people that, you know, we, get, we think, ooh, I wonder if they'll, they're saved. I wonder if they know the Lord. That's been bothering me for some time now, and so now when I'm in the hospital, like I was here recently, uh, my roommates had trouble because they were a captive audience. Uh, and so I would witness to them. Now, I didn't come pouncing on them right away. They were sick too. But I found out that they or the family that might be able to come in and visit them, 
Maybe some don't know the Lord and you're able to instill some of the scripture into their life. And But fortunately, both of the men that, were, that ended up in the room with me, both of them knew this, the Lord as their Savior. And the one, I don't know if you heard about the first one that they had me with, uh, they took him in. He went into the uh, ER not feeling good, feeling pretty bad. And he was, what, 82, wasn't it? He was 82, and he got in there, and they ran him through tests, and they, they finally, they told him, hey, everything in your body, every organ in your body is shutting down. You're just 82, and they just decided to shut down his liver, his kidneys, his bowels were shutting down. His heart was getting weak. He, he was having trouble breathing. I mean, he was just having problems. Let's face it, everything in him was shutting down. And so the doctor, two, I guess there were two of them, they looked at him and said, look, and told his wife at the same time, what you need to do is make get everything together, get everything settled, because you haven't got long to live. It's going to shut down your whole body, so settle everything now. Get everything straightened out, your finances taken care of, everything about your will, everything, get, make sure it's done and done right. So they did. They went so far as his wife and he went together, called the funeral home, and made arrangements for his funeral, and for the viewing, um, they called all the relatives and told them that it wouldn't be long and, and you know, they're going to have be at his funeral. I mean, how would you like to call someone and say, hey, I'd like you to be at my funeral? But that's what he was told. So they did it and they got everything settled. His insurance, they called the insurance company, everything. And... Two days later, now he's in the hospital in the emergency room and in intensive care. And two days later, they come back in and tell him, we've been monitoring you and all your systems are starting to get better. They're all starting to work again. And by the time they got him into my room, his systems were all back functioning the way they should. And he laid there and he says, I guess the Lord didn't want me yet. You know, it's, but things like that happen. And you don't know when people are going to have a problem. So we need to be aware of just reaching out to others. And that if we're realizing who God is, the King of Kings, and that we, if we're in the will of God, we can be used of him to see those type of people, those that are, care, that are hurting. They may be at home, not physically ill, but having a rough time and not knowing what to do or how to go about life. And we may be the only one that maybe will speak to them and give them a track and maybe encourage them to know the Lord. 
There were several doctors that I had the opportunity to witness to. They loved to send these teams in. Now, instead of just having one doctor on call in there, you've got five. And it's a team of doctors that come in. Some of them are students, others are full-fledged full doctors. But you get a chance to open up to them about the Lord because they come in to talk to you, so I talk to them. And there's one student, well, he's, a, he's graduated, but now he's had two years of internship that I'm waiting for him to show up because he told me he would, but so far he hasn't. But we need to be a fisherman. And you know what we need to do to help get that excitement going? Is spend time with Jesus. Spend some time with him. I've, I have found that if you just take a little bit of time out of your morning or evening, whichever it is that you prefer or that you can do, some people have trouble even staying awake in the morning. Others have trouble staying awake at night. So, but just spend time with Jesus. Open God's word. Spend a little bit of time there. Spend a little time speaking to him. You know, there are times when he may just answer you. Maybe not because you hear some voice but in ways that only he can let you know. And you'll know when it is. We need to spend time with Jesus so that we can be the witness, the fisherman that he wants us to be. You know, there is, that was just the first three things that I had to talk about. And um already at the pastor's quitting point. Uh, and I've still got one, two, three, four, five more to go. So someday I may get smart and cut it back or something, but there's an, to be a good fisherman and to, especially for God, we need some other things. We need... Well, we need God's wisdom. We need to put our trust in Jesus that he'll be there with us. We need to be willing to go, to allow the Holy Spirit to guide us. We need to go as Jesus did with compassion for the lost. And we need to go in prayer. Those are the other that I had, maybe one day we can go over them again, but I've said that before about others. Let's look to the Lord. Father, we come to you. We thank you for your goodness to us. We thank